Welcome to Christian Historical Fiction Talk. I'm your host, author Liz Tolsma. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I'm so excited about the guests that we have on here today because you know if it's happening in the world of Christian historical fiction, we're talking about it right here. So before we get started, you all know the drill. If you haven't already subscribed to Christian Historical Fiction Talk on your favorite podcasting platform, please be sure to do so so that you don't miss out on any of the wonderful guests or great topics that we have coming up. And if you are new here, I just want to take a minute and welcome you. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for checking out the show. I hope that you enjoy it. I hope that you stick around and that you find lots of great information here and that you get to learn more about some of today's top Christian historical fiction authors. Also, please be sure to join us over on social media. I'm going to really try to post over there more than I do, but I do post over there on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So be sure that you find Christian Historical Fiction Talk on those platforms as well. Let's get some great conversations going. It's another fabulous way for you to keep track of when new episodes air. Okay, so I'm done. That's it. I won't take up any more time away from our great guest today. Let me give you a little bit of an introduction to her. She lives in Washington, and she's going to tell us a little bit more about that with a house full of kids. She was a tomboy growing up and a voracious reader. How many times have we heard that from our authors? It seems like every author starts off as a reader. She never really dreamed about being a writer, but when her husband encouraged her, she put pen to paper, as it were, and several books in now. We are enjoying her writing so very much, and we're glad that her husband encouraged her in her writing. She loves books with satisfying romances and everything historical, and she loves to be able to make readers either laugh or cry, sometimes both. Her latest release is A Lady in Attendance. Please help me in welcoming Rachel Fordham to the show today. Thank you. It's good to be here. Why don't we just get started with having you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, okay. I have been writing for about six years, I think. I started when I just had my fifth baby. I have six and we foster, so it's kind of a crazy place around here. But I was feeling like I needed a creative outlet. And my husband said, well, you read so much. Why don't you write a book? And so then it's just that's I've discovered this whole new piece of myself. So that's kind of my very abbreviated writing journey. I live on an island in Washington State. Recently got into homeschooling with COVID and we've been enjoying it. So I have a house full of kids around all the time. We love road trips and going to the beach and we're all bookworms. So I don't know. That's kind of a really brief who we are, who I am. Oh, that sounds like an amazing life. I can't imagine living on an island. That must be so cool. There's a bridge. And if you live in one of the states where there's a lot of islands, you know, there's a really big difference between living on a bridge island and a non-bridge island. So it's a bridge island. So you can get where you need to go then pretty easily. Yeah. It just means we have a lot of beaches and water, but it doesn't really like change how we live our lives very much. Still having a lot of beaches has got to be a lot of fun. Your kids must love that. 
They do. It's a lot of fun. And homeschooling six children, plus those that you foster, I can't imagine. How do you manage to get any writing done? You know, I definitely have had to learn to be adaptable. When I first started writing, I still had babies. And so I would write at night. I remember my first book, well, my first manuscript that I wrote, I would write until he, my son woke up to nurse at night, which is like usually between one and two. And one night he didn't wake up. And rather than get any sleep, I wrote all night because I was just waiting for him to cry, you know, and then I'd go to him. So yeah, I mean, I definitely write a lot at night. And since having all the kids home with COVID, I'm having to learn how to write in smaller chunks. I used to try to find ways to get really big amounts of time. So I don't actually know how I do it. I'm trying to figure it out all the time. (laughs) It is. It's with each new change in life, each new season in life, you really do have to be, like you said, adaptable and flexible for sure. Now I've been watching for a lady in attendance, which is your latest release for quite some time and really looking forward to reading it. So I was very excited to get my hands on it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the book? Yeah, I would love to. A Lady in Attendance, it's hard to summarize without giving anything away. But our main character, Hazel, starts out having just been released from a reformatory in New York in the late 1800s. And she, because that sort of puts a blemish on her name, she has to, she ends up using an alias when she takes this job working as a lady in attendance, which is sort of an old-fashioned term for a dental assistant. And so she, you know, and she's just going to kind of quietly live her life. She's kind of given up on a lot of her dreams. And then she ends up having a really great friendship with the dentist who works there and deciding that maybe she wants to try to settle the past so she can have a future. The promise of it was really what drew me in that and your beautiful cover. That is spectacular, by the way. I do love that cover. Yeah. So it was the whole premise that really made me so anxious for this book. And like I said, I've been looking forward to it forever. Why did you pick having the dentist as your hero, as as his occupation? Where did you come up with that? So my husband is actually a dentist. And when something is like closer to home for you, you notice it more in like movies and entertainment. And so we were always joking about how if you, you know, if you notice a dentist character is typically like a villain or a comic relief character, you know, or they're very dull, not a lot of personality, or they've got some weird creepy side. And so we would always kind of laugh about the dentist characters. And one day I said, I am going to write a romantic dentist, like one that will change that image. And so it was very fun because I got, it was sort of a challenge. I got to pull you know, little pieces from real life. And then it worked out perfectly because as I was looking into historic dentists, I realized that in that late 1800s period is when dental assisting became a thing. And they would call it like an attending lady or a lady in attendance. And that profession was really started because there would be there, you know, your upper class of people couldn't go to the dentist, the women, single women without a chaperone. And so it became a lot easier for them to be able to go to the dentist if there was a lady in attendance. And so that was sort of fun to research and realize like, oh, I could pull that in and we could use that. And I've never seen either of those careers in a historical novel. And so it was a lot of fun to get to shine a light on that. Yeah, you're right. I have never seen a dentist in any book that I've read I don't think off the top of my head, whether it be historical or contemporary, and then putting the historical spin on it is a lot of fun. 
And it just yeah. makes complete sense that there would have to be a lady in attendance when the upper class went to see a, a man by himself. So, yeah, yeah. So it was really fun to get to throw those two together in kind of a natural way for these characters with really different personalities to have to be around each other all the time. I loved that contrast between their personalities because Gilbert, the hero, is very quiet and subdued, whereas Hazel is much more, she's just a go-getter and a sort of a little bit hardened and maybe a little bit more jaded. So that makes up for a really, really interesting contrast between the hero and the heroine. And I love that. Yeah, it was one of the more fun relationship dynamics for me to write. And I think because you know how it is as a writer, like as you're kind of challenging your characters, it's a challenge for you too. Because I'm like, how can I get them to like, you know, see each other's strengths? And and really like so often the things that feel like, oh, they make us so different, like often are something that if you can work through them, make a relationship stronger. And I think you really get to see that with these two as they get to know each other and their friendship, you know, develops from something into something more. Exactly. So the hero's name is Gilbert, like I mentioned before. Where did you come up with his name? (laughs) So we, I told you I have a whole bunch of kids. There's kids everywhere. And I actually have five boys and one girl. And so every time that we would, I'd be pregnant and I find out it was a boy, I was like, oh, I just love the name Gilbert. We should name him Gilbert. And partly because I love old names, but I was a huge Anne of Green Gables fan. And so it was just a name that kind of captured a lot of fun things for me. But my husband was never on board. He he would be like, no, I don't like that name. That just sounds so old. Nobody would want to be called Gil. Like that's a, on a thing on a fish, you know? And, and so I <laughs> gave up and then we're done having kids when I wrote, wrote this book and he read the first draft and he goes, you know what? Gilbert's not really that bad of a name. <laughs> and I, it just, it's just so funny because he's always like that. He hears an old name and he can only associate it with something old until he sees it on a little person, you know, like on a younger person. And then he's like, oh, okay. But it, it's always been something we've laughed about. And so I was like, I'm going to make him a character. And so it was very fun. And it's also fun because my daughter, who is, well, she's almost 12, she has read the Anna Grey Gables books. And so she just loved that I used the name Gilbert in there. So it's a little fun thing for her, too. Very cool. Yes. Gilbert Blythe from Anna Green Gables. Absolutely loved him. So very cool. That's where that came from. Yeah. And I mean, they're very, I don't feel like he is like Gilbert Blythe at all, but I think there's a few little like nods to it. Like they like to joke about the color of Hazel's hair, things like that, but just kind of bring in enough of the charm that you feel a little bit of Gilbert's namesake storyline, but he's still his own man. Hazel was in a reformatory, as you mentioned at the very beginning of the story, or she was just being released from a reformatory. How did you go about researching reformatories in the late 1800s and what they were like? Yeah, so I I originally, so I knew that I wanted her to have a big past because I wanted, so like, you know, we always talk about how, you know, to write everybody's flawed, you know, and they've got all these, everyone's got baggage. And, but I knew that one of the dynamics I really wanted to have was characters who felt like they were unequal because of things in their past, you know, like Gilbert's got a pretty clean slate, you know, he's got his own growth that he needs to go through, but he hasn't really, 
he hasn't done as much shady stuff as she has. And so I wanted to to tackle that a little bit. And so I knew I wanted her to have a mysterious past. And so I really just started by looking up like women's prisons and, and then started reading about how at this time the reformatory movement was a thing. And I didn't really know anything about it. And so really, I mostly just jumped from one website to another reading things. And I was totally sucked in. Had I not already known so many things about this story, I probably would have wanted to write an entire story about a reformatory because I felt like super inspired and being someone who's like connected with the foster care system and have spent a lot of time with people who have struggled with different things. I just loved that at this time in history, we had people kind of those trailblazers saying, Maybe, maybe we were wrong. Maybe the idea that once a criminal, always a criminal is not right, you know, and so we have these people popping up in history saying, what if we educated them? What if we brought in religious leaders? What if we, you know, taught them skills? And so they started this whole reformatory movement, getting donations and getting people to volunteer and they only did it at the time so sort of like juvenile delinquent place but they they went to the age 25 and it was just women the one that I have Hazel going to and it was usually a five-year sentence I think it could be very a little bit and it was just they kind of picked people who they thought maybe could be reformed a lot of people came from the streets a lot of them were you know struggled with like alcoholism or prostitution and so I just, but it was just fascinating to learn about, because to me, I, I mean, I've always just, I've always just believed that people could change. I mean, that it may be harder for some, but I believe that idea and to realize that that for a lot of people, that was a novel idea was sort of fascinating. And sorry, I totally rambled on forever about that, but it was super cool to learn about. <laughs> I'm fascinated by it and it makes me want to go look up what that was like and search a little bit more about that. That's really neat. And the concept there that there can be forgiveness, that there can be change in a person's heart is a very Christian concept, obviously. Yeah. No, and, and it was, I mean, there was backlash against it and people who didn't believe it. And it was, you know, it was just really fascinating. I'd love to go revisit that topic again, you know, at some point if, you know, if, if the stories permit it, who knows, but yeah, super interesting, really amazing people behind it. I kind of found the same thing with my last book because it, it tackled illegitimacy a little bit. And there were some really amazing people who, who rose above to fight the stigma against that as well. I love that you don't shy away from the more difficult topics in fiction these days that you sort of hit them head on. So really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's it's fun to learn about. And really, I, the more that I learn about people, you know, in my life around me and in history, I realize like, you know, like the backdrop, the setting changes, but people have struggled with judging others and, and some of those kind of concepts forever. And so they're they're not so different from what we deal with now. In A Lady in Attendance, I'm reading through it right now. I just got to what I think is one of the major plot twists that sure is a huge plot twist. Mm-hmm. Are those really fun to write? Yeah, this one was, this one was maybe bigger than I think maybe the biggest one I've written and it was really fun. It was kind of hard to like, to balance. I went back and forth a lot on like what to tell people or like let the reader know and how to let them know. But 
I really liked it. And it's been very fun since it, you know, early copies have been out. And since it's been released to have people send me messages and say, I didn't see that coming. So yeah, it was, it's fun to surprise my characters and sometimes they surprise me too. Exactly. Yeah. And let me tell you, I got to that and I'm like, oh man, I want to keep reading. And then I looked at my <laughs> clock and thought, oh, I've got to go in my office and work. It was just not fair this morning that I got to that point just as I had to get down to work. So I can't wait till I'm done here to get back to it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is fun to throw in some little twists and turns. You know, and it's funny because I really didn't, I don't see myself as a mystery writer at all, but sometimes those little storylines just weave themselves in. And so it's, you run with, you run with whatever the story brings you, right? Exactly. <laughs> so what do you feel makes this successful book? When do you feel like your book is successful? Ooh, that's a good question. So when I like very first started writing, I had really, I had no expectations, to be honest. Like I kind of learned everything backwards. I just was like, I'm going to write a book. And I didn't know that writing conferences or anything existed. And so I just kind of wrote this book on my own. And my goal was to write a book good enough that my daughter could read it someday. And so if that's my measure of success, I have reached that. But then I went to a conference a couple years after I started writing. And I remember the keynote speaker, and she talked about how about success and how it's measured. And I just really resonated and stuck with me. And just this idea that, that if we're always measuring success based on you know, some standard that someone else set, like we may never reach it or we'll, we'll, it'll always be like too far off. And so I think for me, I want my books to do well. I want them to leave people with a happy sigh. I want them to touch some hearts, you know, but I, I want to do the very best I can with my writing, but I want my measure of success to always be, you know, where's my heart when I'm writing this? Am I writing the best that I can? Am I writing the story I feel like God's given me? Am I holding on to it light enough that I am still putting the right things first in my life? You know, things like that. And so every once in a while, I think as an author, you have to regroup and remind yourself that, you know, I mean, I may never make the bestsellers list. I don't know, but, and I'll do my best. Like, I think that would be fun. I'll go for it. But I want to always step back and just remember like why I'm writing and what I'm writing for. And when I do that, I I feel successful already. Like it is fun. I have met amazing people. My books have got have connected me to people all over the world. This keynote that I told you I was listening to, she talked about how, you know, she she wrote the story she felt like she was supposed to write. And then sometimes she wondered, like, because it wasn't a profound change the world kind of book. And she's like, did I, you know, like, was that a waste of my time kind of thing? And then she got a, a letter and I'm totally butchering, butchering her story, but she got a letter a little while after it was released. And it was from a teenager who said that they had thought contemplated suicide, but because the characters in her book had done hard things, she realized she could do hard things too. And she's like, that book wasn't on the bestseller list, but it was successful. And so it just made, it just reminded me. And I think of that story all the time. Like, I don't really know how to measure the success other than just doing the best I can. Exactly. What a wonderful story. And you're right. Very good for authors to keep in mind as they're writing a book that success isn't necessarily dollars or number of sales, but it's how it impacts people and how it 
works in God's kingdom. So totally. And and sometimes that like is for me too, you know, like my very first book was written during like a medical diagnosis for my son. And so many of the messages in that book, I feel like as I was writing someone else's story, I was being taught how to like, you know, go on after something hard. And so, you know, it's just, I think success looks a lot of different ways. Now this book at the time that we are recording this just came out. How do you go about celebrating a new release? I, you know, I wish that when I had done my first book, I'd come up with some kind of fun release tradition because that would be fun. But when my very first, when my debut novel came out, it came out, I can still remember, it came out on July 3rd. And I had a little foster daughter with me that I had for a year and a half who I loved, I still love with all my heart. And she left me on July 21st and I knew that she was leaving. And honestly, when my book came out, it just felt so insignificant compared to bigger things I was going through that I did really didn't do very much. And then, you know, COVID was my last book release. So last night I told my husband to pick up dinner because I didn't feel like cooking because I'd been so busy <laughs> responding to people's messages and thanking people for their reviews and stuff that I was like, you should bring home dinner. So that's how we celebrated. But it, you know, as an author, like there's so many milestones along the way that release date is very exciting but, you know, like this book was written quite a long time ago. And so I don't know, I should come up with a fun tradition because hopefully there'll be lots of books to come and then I could have a, I could have a good answer for you. Um, <laughs> no, I think picking up dinner is a great answer. That sounds <laughs> like a perfect celebration to me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't I have to do, we should do that every right. night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And what is up next for you? My 2022 book, I have not worked on a good elevator speech, you know, your little your little punchy right. line about it. I really love it though. I wrote it at the very beginning of COVID. It has nothing to do with COVID. But my husband was home because dental offices were shut down and he took the kids all the time and I just busted this book out and I I really love it. Like it's a little bit of a, like, Les Mis meets the Midwest. That doesn't, no, that doesn't sell it very well. And I'll tell you this, because it's in the, it's in the teaser that's at the end of my book that just came out. She's, she's going to lose her farm. And so she's engaged to someone to help save her farm. And in this opening chapter, she's out on her, like, fields and she finds an injured man. And that kind of just triggers a whole sequence of events. And it gets, it has some Easter eggs from old books and stuff in it. So it's just... I don't know. I really like it. So I wish it could come out right now because I think you guys are going to like it. I didn't tell you anything about it there. That was awful, <laughs> but it's fun. It does. It sounds fun. And just the teaser is great. I mean, I love Lady in Attendance. And if you love the next book, it's going to make me really want to, to read it. So I'll be looking forward to 2022. Definitely. All right. <laughs> if listeners want to connect with you, how can they go about finding you? Well, so I'm on Facebook and Instagram, and I also have a newsletter that you can find the sign up for on my website, rachelfordham.com. And I love doing giveaways, so you should join it because it's fun. But yeah, I try really hard if people reach out to me to reach out back because to me, that is one of the most beautiful things about writing a book is that it's this whole connection thing. And so, so yeah, I would love to meet anybody that would love to reach out to me. That sounds great. Do you have any last words for the listeners? 
I think I would just love to say, you know, thank you. Sometimes this whole writing experience is a real solitary thing. And, you know, people might think it's glamorous, but I'm like, lots of times we're like sitting in our sweats, writing on the couch, you know, and it's kind of like, and then, and then you get a reader who's, who's enthusiastic about your book and you're like, that's why I did it. And so it's a team effort and I am grateful for all of the readers, listeners who have decided to join my team. And I really super appreciate them. Well, we appreciate you and the fine fiction that you write and the way you make us think and smile and feel good about romance and life and everything. So thank you for your writing and thank you so much for joining us today on the show. We really appreciate having you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's about all the time we have for today with Rachel Fordham. I'm so sorry that our chat has had to come to an end. As with all of these guests, I think I could sit back and listen to them talk about their books and their writing and their life for a very long time. I hope that you feel the same way too. But that just means that we'll have to have Rachel and some of our other guests back again very soon to hear more about them and their writing. Looking ahead to next week, we're going to have author Jennifer Ularic with us. I'm really excited about her visit. She is going to be talking about her new release, The Scarlet Pen. This is going to be the last book in Barber's True Colors crime series. I'm so sorry to see it come to an end, but what a way to go out with a bang by having Jennifer Ularic write the very last book in the series. Barbara has a couple of other great series coming up. We've already talked about the Doors to the Past series, and they also are going to have the Heroines of World War II series as well, so you can look forward to those. But we'll be talking the last book in the True Colors crime series, The Scarlet Pen, with author Jennifer Ularic on our next episode. Please make sure that you check Christian Historical Fiction out either on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If you would like more information about Rachel, about A Lady in Attendance, and if you'd like a handy link so that you can order your own copy of A Lady in Attendance, and trust me, you will not be disappointed. I was not kidding when I said I can't wait to be finished with work today so that I can run back and finish reading this book. It is so good. If you would like all that information, then please head over to my website, which is liztolsma.com. That's liztolsma.com. Right there on the front page, you will find a link that will take you to the show notes for this episode, and you'll find all the information there that you need. I'd love to connect with you in that way. Well, thank you so much for your time for your attention, and for your support of Christian Historical Fiction Talk. I really do appreciate it, and I look forward to seeing you next time.